When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. We are at week eight, I think, of this college football season. Uh, over the next 15 to 20 minutes, myself, Tim Allenball, is going to talk to a member of the beat from Florida State's next opponent. Currently, the Seminoles sit 7-0 and after uh, a primetime matchup with the Duke Blue Devils. Up next is Nemesis to the Seminoles, Wake Forest, who's on a three-game <laughs> win streak against Florida State. Uh, to get to know the Demon Deacons a little bit better, uh, we have Cam Lemons of Demon Deacons Digest. Cam, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. I, I'm very thankful for you to be able to jump on. Uh, excited to uh, get to know you a little bit better and get to know this Wake Forest team. So yeah. let's let's just jump right into it. Let's kind of start <laughs> with that 40,000-foot view of the Wake Forest team, the Demon Deacons started out 3-0, winning some games that they were expected before the turnover fest loss against Georgia Tech, a tough battle against Clemson, uh, and then uh, a third straight loss against an upstart Virginia Tech team, uh, pulled off a victory last week over Pittsburgh, 4-3 overall. In your opinion, what's really been the source of Wake's problems so far this year? I think the biggest thing has been just the inexperience. Um, it's just been a very, very inconsistent outcome every single, not even game, but even play to play down to down. Uh, someone had pulled a stat, and I think it was heading to the Clemson week. There were more players that had played, there were more players that played more snaps than they had their entire career in the first like five games of the season than they did their entire career. They, there's And it's all the offense. And it, it's it's just been a work in progress and it's felt weird because when we sat there and watched spring practice and fall practice, it kind of felt reversed. The defense was kind of hanging on by a thread and, you know, they'd make some turnovers and, you know, but it'd be kind of up and down while the offense was just cooking. If everything was clicking, you thought, okay, you know, replacing Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry and a few people on the offensive line, a couple of running backs would be, you know, it felt like guys had been in the program for long enough that you wouldn't have these blips and then it's just now felt like you'll have guys do well for two to three plays in a row, and then you'll run a simple inside zone, and everything just falls apart. You have guys running into each other. You've got guys turn the wrong way, blocking the wrong way, wrong reads, drops. It's just been a collective. Just I felt like they lost their confidence for about the, the three to four games, and you know against Pitt, it felt like at times they started getting that back. Obviously, it's just one game against a team that's only won one ACC game, but it's been inexperience and confidence have been at a low, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But it it, it was a win against a really good Louisville team, so maybe Pittsburgh had found something (laughs) with moving Jerkovich to a tight end, but uh, so some reason for 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 some confidence, potentially. Um, Let's kind of go position group by position group. Let's start with that quarterback position. Uh, Mitch Griffiths started the first six games before being replaced by Michael Kern. Then they were both out with injuries. So then you had third stringer San- Santino Marucci. Uh, sounds like Griffiths might be back on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to be starting there, but, you know, really Griffiths was supposed to come in or expected to come in with 
uh, very high accuracy, and he's really struggled this year, six right. interceptions. Uh, what's your thoughts on why Griffiths has struggled, and what should we expect from the quarterback position come Saturday? I think the biggest thing with Mitch has just been doing too much. Uh, like, like I said, you saw it in, in spring camp and fall camp, and there would definitely be a couple of times here and there where he maybe would hold on to it a little longer than he thought, but it's not, it's not contact. You can't really tell that. But we had no one had ever saw this coming. Like I, I think if you t- if you said that you saw a guy who completed seventy five to eighty percent of his passes as, as a high schooler had the highest completion percentage that any Dave Clawson's quarterbacks has ever had in his years of coaching, especially at Wake Forest, you wouldn't think there'd be you know accuracy issues and turnovers and fumbles and all this stuff. And yeah, and granted, the rest of the offense has just not been good alongside him, but. It's been just night and day. So you start having to start thinking about is there yeah, how much stock do you now put into practice, watching practice, because you have a guy that just looks like he's just lost and trying to do too much to prove that he doesn't need to be he's not he's not trying to prove that he's the next Sam Hartman. He's trying to be the next Mitch Griffiths. And right now it's just a whole lot of just too much going on. In terms of Saturday, I'm a bit skeptical, Mitchell play. I, I'm a I'm a little bit skeptical. I know that. You know, he was at least on the sidelines since on Saturday, which was bigger step than what I thought would be there. If he does play, I think the play calling will still be pretty similar to what it was on Saturday, when which what I think if Santino starts, which was don't do a lot. Um, he yeah, he threw the game when he touched down. That was probably one of the better throws we've seen at a for Wake Forest quarterback this year, much less Santino's entire career. He used to be a safety. They moved him to running back at a certain point. Like he he was a quarterback and then they they figured out you know they were just people better than him but i mean he came in and a lot of what he did on saturday was predetermined there weren't a whole there wasn't a whole lot of we're asking you to make reads we're asking not asking you to sit here and and do an rpo it's a this is going to be a running play this is going to be a passing play you have one maybe two progression get ball out be done here and i think this is going to be something where on offense they're going to try their best to really take the air out of the ball and try to attack a lot on the perimeter and just say, Hey, you know, we have some guys in Jamal Banks and Keyshawn Williams that can make plays and keep on going. Cause especially, and this is something I feel like people got a little bit of upset with or concerned with about during the pick game. If Santino is the starter and he gets hurt, that, that was our, that's the third string quarterback. <laughs> like you're playing, you're playing either a true freshman scholarship quarterback in Charlie Gilliam who didn't enroll until the summer or you're playing a true freshman walk-on in Tyler Mazel who didn't enroll into the summer. You're not sitting here playing a, another scholarship quarterback. So I think a lot of it's going to be how much ball control can we play, limit the mistakes, because a couple of, a couple of the throws Santino had were basically what we saw in practice of not great. Limit the mistakes and make sure we can get out of there, out of your health thing and not have to sit here and ask one of the Florida State uh, frat opportunity guys if he can play quarterback really quickly. So. <laughs> Uh, I mean, speaking of ball control uh, at running back, Justice Ellison was the guy kind of li- coming into the season right. with uh, really high potential running back, uh, Demon Claiborne l- lurking. But it's really been Claiborne's uh, right. show from the start. He's he's outproduced. Um, I, I know you touched on Ellison's patience, uh, which, you know, I, I know you don't like the term pace and play or, or uh, slow mesh. Uh, <laughs> But he's got space (laughs) patience in this offense. And so what can what can Wake Forest really do for that ball control? These two backs, are they similar? Are they different? What can fans expect on Saturday? 
Um, in terms of the running game, they're they're actually pretty different in both the running and the pass game. They like Claiborne. They like excuse me. They like Justice Ellison, Tate Carney as their more pass protecting blocks. Demon Claiborne just isn't there in terms of pass protection. But Demon Claiborne's explosiveness and speed is just unmatched. Like he, there was a reason he was a, I think top two hundred prospect in the country when they recruited him a couple of years ago. He was a guy that was running. I think it was around 10, 10 500 meter dashes. Solid sub four five guy in the 40, 40, uh, 40 yard dash. This guy is just fast. He's really, really fast and explosive. And the vision has gotten a lot better with Demon Claiborne. Kind of saw it a little bit yesterday, excuse me, on Saturday, where he they were they were still trying to attack the edges, but he would be able to kind of cut it back and say, Hey, I see a hole, I'm gonna attack that. It's something we hadn't really seen out of him for a while. Meanwhile, a guy like Ellison, like you mentioned earlier, he's someone that gonna get some bursts he's not the, he's not the fastest guy he's on the street he does he does a lot of things well i don't know if he does anything you know oh like a great i don't know if Aaron thinks like this is just amazing but he does everything well he catches the ball well runs well doesn't fumble, doesn't fumble the ball problem with him right now is he's been nursing a high ankle sprain uh, that's been that's been a little bit tough on him which i've heard there's been an epidemic about that all over college football this year i don't know why but um so that's that's been a bit of why the production hasn't been there he missed about He's probably missed a total of, of two games in terms of just quarters and halves missed with just an ankle injury. So they really try to lean on Taman to kind of just break the game open. And that's what he did on Saturday. There were times where, you know, the offensive line would get him six yards and then he would just take another 14 because he felt like it. So that's really where he's at right now. Um, let's, let's talk about probably the best position group on offense, the wide receivers. Uh, I know coming into this season, you thought really high of this group. Right. They're one of definitely the more polished groups in the ACC. Um, they have four receivers with nearly 250 yards or more receiving. The ball's consistently sped around. Um, they're led by 6'4", Jamal Banks. What makes this group really stand out in the ACC for you? I think it's I think it's like what you said. It's the fact that the ball is spread out. There's not just it's, it's not just hey shut down Keyshawn Williams and you've won the game, or hey shut down Jamal Banks you've won the game. At any certain point, if you can throw in tight end Cam Height there, especially after his catches in the last game, you you can put anyone's name there and say hey you know this guy had 1050 and two touchdowns and everyone would go oh yeah no that makes sense like it's it, there had there's there's never really someone that you're really surprised of. You know, there's a guy in Wesley Grimes who's a little bit of a younger guy, and you're like, okay, you know, he, we're waiting for his breakout game. But again, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. If you said, hey, you know, this guy has been did really well on Saturday, everyone would be like, I mean, it was coming eventually. There's just everyone compliments each other very well. You know, I think they do miss Donovan Green a bit. Um, you know, he went down in the first fall practice, uh, non-contact injury. He was really their guy that could stretch the field, and I think that's one thing they do kind of miss a bit. But everything else kind of complements each other well. Like you have your Jamal Banks, who's one of the fastest, 6'4", 200 pounds, can go up and get it. Keyshawn Williams might be my height. I'm not the tallest person in the world, uh, but can just kind of break a, a five-yard gain open for 35 yards. Taylor Moran, six foot tall, can make contested catches with the best of them. It's just everyone complements each other very, very well. And that's really been, when they're on, it helps everyone so much more. <laughs> Right. Uh, so going from probably the best offensive position group to probably the worst <laughs> offensive position group, talking about the offensive line, uh, it's been a struggle. The Demon Deacons right. lost three, I think, last year yeah. from the starting group. Uh, they've allowed 31 sacks, only averaging three and a half yards on the ground. What's really led to this big step back for this offensive line? 
I mean, inexperience is definitely it. The yardage wise on the ground, I mean, Wake just runs so many plays that I never really bother with that just because if they're running 80 plays a game, whatever <laughs> at, at that point. But it's been an experience. Like I said, I mean, you'll have a couple plays in a row where they'll have eight, nine yards on each one of those runs back to back to back. And then it's a second and, you know, second and six and someone's facing the wrong way or pulling or pulling the wrong way. And you go, what? You just did this right for five minutes. <laughs> Why can you not do that? And, and it's an experience. You're like I said, you're replacing guys in Jebeyonte Nash and you're and Logan on the guys in Sean McGinn with guys like Luke Pettibone, who missed all of last year. They're really high on him, but he missed all of last year with a torn ACL. Matt Goldman is starting right guard. And it was him and Nick Sharp kind of battling for right guard. But Nick Sharp went down to the Vanderbilt games. So now you have a guy in his third year that's really you know, trying to be his own sort of guy. They've had to kick him out the tackle a little bit because of some injuries with Spencer Clapp. So injuries and experience, they've had to, they've had to play probably four or five uh, offensive tackles right now. And now that they have Spencer Clapp back, obviously, surprisingly, they did well on Saturday. Wonder how that works when you're actually healthy and have experience there. But it's just been a, it's felt like no one has been comfortable, especially in, in like the book, the middle parts of, we're not healthy and we feel like this is the first time these guys are really getting reps. You, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the guys from last season. Cause I had those originally in my questions and I'm like, I'm not even going to try these. these <laughs> those were some, some crazy names, but uh, Florida state fans can definitely sympathize in the past few years uh, up until probably about last year about the injuries and health and oh, the yeah. offensive line <laughs> and how that just annihilates. And it was, it was what the 2021 game. I remember, I think it was like, it was like two hours before kick. And I think it was like your starting guard and your starting center out around. I was like, well, this game is going to be a massacre. <laughs> and it was like, that was like the fourth game in a row. You guys were missing offensive line. And I was like, well, I feel, I feel bad at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the difference this year is Florida state, not to make this a Florida state yeah. <laughs> moment, but they, uh, they're, they've had a lot of injuries this year, but they finally yeah. have depth, you right. know? Finally have that, so it matters. Um, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's stick with the line. Uh, you know, yep. Wake Forest runs the uh, the three four defense, so a little bit of a, a non traditional defensive line. But as a whole, seventeen sacks. Uh, defensive line, I think, is responsible for about eight of those. Uh, yep. Just just Sheen Davis yeah. is leading the way with four and a half of his own after a really impressive last season. Uh, you know doing a lot of the same stuff that he's doing this season. Uh, they're allowing less than four yards to carry. Uh, what's really impressed you so far about this front? And are there any areas that Florida State can potentially take advantage of on Saturday? This was probably, and specifically the defensive tackles, was my second biggest worry going into the season. I was obviously very high on Jasheen Davis. He's now in the starting role, You know, can really pin his ears back and go. Kendron Wayman, really good. I like the defensive tackle, Kevin Pointer. He gets off the snap really, really quickly. Def his is and is something that I'm worried about. You know, you, you get into the lower guys of, you know, a BJ Williams and a Bryce Gagnus look good, but Justin Williams, you know, if someone on the top end gets hurt, it's a really, really big drop off right now. Guys are playing 60 to 70 snaps. So I've been really impressed with the fact that they haven't worn down the way I thought they would have by this point. They they are really, really athletic. Wick is usually a team that they love this stunt. They they are team. They they'll if they're three down, four down, doesn't matter. Someone's probably coming in on a stunt. Whatever someone's lined up, it's probably not their entry point. And so it really gives the confusion to the rest of the offensive line. And it but it does take a toll. The fact that you're cons you're consistently going this fast and going this hard, it 
if you're on the field for 70, 80 plays, no matter who you are, you're going to wear down. So it's a blessing and a curse of how athletic and their speed that they have. And I love how multiple they are, especially because you know, they, they'll be in a four down front. They'll probably come out on four down front. And then you'll see three down with a linebacker standing up as an edge rusher. And that's been really fun. I think they found a nice way to hide death issues. It's just a matter of if someone does go down, I am holding my breath right now. Uh, let's talk about the linebackers. In my opinion, just you know, my small evaluation of, of looking at the team, I think the linebackers are, are pretty good this year. Senior transfer Jacob Roberts is leading the team in tackles. Sophomore Dylan Hazen uh, right behind him. I know they lost their defensive la- leader last year with uh, Ryan Sminda going pro, uh, but PFF grades like them. The stats really jump out, you know, and just briefly seeing some of the highlights. This is a, a solid group that appears to have some quality depth uh, for the for the Demon Deacon defense. Yeah, I mean, if you told me before the season, Wake Forest would lose, would have on regardless of Ryan's been to leave and they would have four guys not available for this season so far. I would have told you the Wake Forest defense is giving up 45 to 50 points a game. Like It's one of those things where they've been kind of torched over that the last few years and credit to Glenn Spencer. And they brought in a new uh, defensive analyst who's a linebackers coach as well. Uh, David Elson, they've put they've invested a lot of money and resources into getting that linebacker room ready. They got Jacob Roberts out of the portal and he came in out of shape a little bit, but really, really came on as spring camp went on and then. Once they figured out, oh, no, we can play this dude on the line of scrimmage and play him everywhere, really unlocked everything. It sucks that they went down Chase Jones. He's been out with a concussion for essentially the entire year. Maybe we get him back in a couple of weeks. Who knows? Um, Tommy Baby was uh, a, a sophomore linebacker, was medically DQ. Draco Robinson got uh, tore, popped his Achilles in fall practice. And then you had one more who decided to you know, kind of quit football and then went to walk on in Kentucky. So it's been a... It, it was a really weird fall, but then obviously with Jacob Roberts and Dylan Hazen has, has been playing some of the best football I've seen out of a linebacker in a very, very long time. He got benched. He got, actually, he got a hurt for a second against Pitt. We'll see if he's available for this game. But then he got hurt and Quincy Bryant, who was in his class, came in and played probably the best game I've seen out of a linebacker all year. And so it's it's I, I don't know what Glenn Spencer has told them or what he's saying in the room. I need it for whatever I'm doing in my life because it's really just changed how they've been composed. It's one of those uh, Dino Babers locker room speeches. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know what happened here. <laughs> uh, finally, let's talk about the secondary. Uh, yeah. Finally, a healthy secondary compared to last year. <laughs> uh, several guys injured, but uh, safety Malik Mustafa flies around. Deshaun Jones is a ball hawk with three interceptions. How has this group performed overall, in your opinion? And do you think Florida State has the ability with their uh, with Keon Coleman? I'm not sure if Johnny Johnny Wilson's going to play yeah. it, play yet, but you think they'll be able to find success against the secondary? So uh, when I said the defensive tackles were my number two worry on defense, number one was corner. I was I was scared. Like I, I'll be honest, I was scared. I mean, because it's one of those things of same sort of way. Kalen Carson is what makes the corners go. Like, if he's playing there. They feel like they can do so much other stuff with Deshaun Jones and Demarcus Rankin and you know Evan Slocum, and he's been healthy. The safeties have been playing well. One thing that I think people are going to kind of get too caught up in is how many yards that Wake Forest is going to give up, especially in the pass. I think they're going to give up a ton of yards, not so much because I respect the hell out of Keon Coleman. I think he is arguably the the best wide receiver prospect in this draft. 
the way Wake Forest plays is they trust their tackling. They just do not want to give up an explosive. So they're going to play a few yards off the ball, and they're really, really good tacklers. Kalen, Deshaun, Malik, Chalen, they're all very, very good tacklers. So they trust that. So when it comes to Keon Coleman, I think the stout, there's going to be a lot of scouts at the game because I think that's an actual NFL matchup between Keon and, and Kalen. They might press him a little bit, but I think for the most part, it's gonna, it's gonna that's gonna be a good test for Keon Coleman to say, you know, what's your yak ability here? Can you break a couple tackles here and there? Because I don't know how much Wake is gonna really try their hardest, especially if Johnny Wilson doesn't play. I don't know how much they're gonna try their hardest to say, hey, go play him one on one. If you can't get him, you can't get him. That hasn't been their style all year, so I don't necessarily see them trying to test that there. I think they all have some respect for that, and especially with trying to contain Jordan Travis as well. That they're just like, you know what, let's just try to keep everything in front of us and go from here i uh i'm I'm really getting tired of the bend don't break defenses <laughs> <laughs> hey red zone roulette is my dude. favorite thing just play roulette see who can actually score on the red zone <laughs> yeah exactly Let, let's let's go high offense high octane but you know uh, yeah i mean the duke some of the i mean florida State had some great monotonous drives but man it was hold your breath at times so right. uh finally i'll get you out of here um, what are your final thoughts on the games on Saturday? How do you think it's going to play out? What do you think the result's going to be? I, I honestly kind of think this is one, and I feel more defeatist than I do saying this. Get out of there healthy if you're awake. Just, just go in there, do your best. I, I think there are some weaknesses on this Florida State team because I don't know if they've been able to play a full four quarters, and that's been weird for me to about the team that's a top five, top three team. Of I don't know if they've played a full fourth quarter, four quarter game, and if you can kind of take the air out of it and, and limb it as much as you can. I think you have a shot here, but I don't, if you get down 14, nothing in this game, 21, nothing in this game, I don't see a way that this comes back. I think a team like Virginia tech was really, really fortunate when the FSU jumped up on them 22, nothing, and then stormed back to almost tie the game. I I don't think that this wake team has that. I think wake wants to be able to do what they did against Clemson, which was force a couple of turnovers. You know, I, I, Florida state's been good, been good without the turnovers, but Football was a dumb sport. It is an incredibly dumb sport. So I think they're going to try to pin their ears back, see if they can get Jordan Travis, go from there, hold the ref. That's about it. Well, okay, I really appreciate you. Before I get you out of here, uh, I think you remember from last year, I'd like to do a choose-your-own-adventure question. So <laughs> let me throw three subjects at you. I think last year we talked about professional wrestling. We did. Uh, we did. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me let me throw it at you like this. Um, TV streaming uh, or college football? I'll, simple, I'll make it simple. Do you want a, a sports question or do you want a, a TV question? I'll go sports just because I, I have fallen out of love with TV lately. So I'm, I'll, I'll stick to sports. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I've asked a couple guys this year. Uh, you're you're basically an expansion college football team, Ooh. and you have any player in the country currently playing uh, open to you to pick with your first pick. There are no restrictions or anything like that. Uh, who are you building your college football team around uh, from from this season's top players? Oh, I'm stuck, and I'm, I'm not. And I'm not saying this just because. This is a Florida State podcast, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck between Jaden Daniels and Jordan Travis. I'm a sucker for a mobile quarterback. I, I am an absolute yep. sucker for one. And I think they've just been two of the best quarterbacks in the nation this year. They've taken care of the football. Jaden Daniels has gotten hit a lot more than I would care for at this point. But I think I'm going to go with 
Jaden Daniels because I think he's a bit faster and more elusive. While I think Jordan's Jordan's a good speed guy, but I think is more more durable than I think Jaden is. So I, I'm gonna go with the explosiveness of Jaden, but hold my breath whenever we play uh, Jordan Travis. I uh, I would I I like that pick. Nobody's gone there. A lot of people like have tried to go with you know Caleb Williams. I had one mention of Travis Hunter, um, just because of the both sides of it. He's gonna get tired. Uh, he's he's we're gonna oh I'm gonna I'm going high octane. We're playing 90 snaps a game. We're he's gonna get tired here. <laughs> yeah. I think Jaden Daniels probably is gonna be able to take the shots a little more than Jordan right. Travis, uh, which okay. which maybe gives him an upper hand because Jordan sometimes you you, you hold your breath when he gets tackled. Jo- I feel like Jordan takes and this I mean you're obviously the force. I feel like Jordan takes more shots, but they're worse. While Jordan, while Jaden Daniels just will take a shot, and I'm like, you're skinnier. I'm hoping you don't break right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Jordan does set him up for uh, for some big time hits for whatever reason. So, well, well, Cam, I really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a down year for Wake, but uh, yeah. they do a great job, and you do an even better job covering them. So take a minute, let everybody know where they can find your work. No, I really appreciate it. Um, you can find me at Demon Deacon Digest, part of the twenty four seven Sports Network, alongside uh, Blogger So Dear, part of the SB Nation uh, sites as well. On Twitter, my terrible takes are at Ken Lemons underscore. Um, I promise I'm nice to Florida State fans. Please don't hate me this week. <laughs> Cam's a great follow on Twitter. I, I, I like him. <laughs> Always breaking down some plays and, and giving some insight. Well, Cam, thanks for jumping on. Uh, this has been the. A line of scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. I'm Tim Allenball, and until next time, let's keep climbing. <laughs>